You're listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. What we can tend to do, and I love the Dallas Willard quote on this, we need to believe our beliefs and doubt our doubts, not believe our doubts and doubt our beliefs. Now, here's your hosts, Tim and Dez. Well, welcome to this week's Momentum. Once again, it is Tim and Des with you all around Australia. We've got men tuning in just like you to this show, which is awesome. Thanks so much for doing that. Really appreciate your time. And uh, look, really appreciate the radio stations taking the show as well, helping us out and helping you out. MomentumAustralia.org is our website. And uh, we are super excited about this week's show. We've got a uh, special guest on the show again. And I say again because he's been on a couple of times already and always, always had a lot to say. But the topic today is a key issue for all of us and it's around this sense of identity and I think many men in particular this day and age are confused about their identity to some degree like a father figure male role models in general mixed messages from society marketing social media etc about what a real man should be and often the end result is a sense of confusion that leads to imposter syndrome. You know imposter syndrome is like a, a psychological pattern in which we doubt our gifts our talents and accomplishments accumulating in a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. And, you know, I think all of us have experienced this in our lives and it's, and it's a real, real thing. And especially a thing for men, you know, to explore this in greater detail in this week's show, we have with us, thankfully and mercifully, the CEO of the Australian Institute of Family Counseling, Nick Marks. Welcome back, Nick. It's really good to see you again. Yeah, hi, Des, and hi, Tim. It's fantastic to be back with you guys and really looking forward to our conversation today on this really intriguing topic. And as you've alluded to, there's, there's a lot in it. I thought that the imposter syndrome was a movie, <laughs> but clearly not. <laughs> Otherwise, we wouldn't be talking about it here. So, Nick, yeah. describe the imposter syndrome. It's essentially a, a perceived, another term for it can be perceived fraudulence, that I perceive myself to be a fraud. So accompanying with that are feelings of um, self-doubt, um, personal incompetence, and then it might be that despite having, you know, education, qualifications, and even experience that, you know, I'm, I'm just, I, I shouldn't be doing this, uh, I'm a fraud, and it's a matter of time till they're going to find out. Mm. And so it's, um, I, I suppose you could probably say, if I put it into more simple terms, is you can have a narrative underneath that we may or may not verbalise that I, I'm not enough. Mm. I've heard that come up a bit. I'm, I'm really not enough. And so it, it's got a bit in it, but I think is that, that those key terms around I'm a, I'm a fraud, I'm not enough, and um, they're going to find out. It's just a matter of time. Yeah. Nick, before we go any further, imposter syndrome, is it something that affects a large percentage of us? Yeah, look, I, it, there's, it's very data on it. And it's it's a term that was, I should say, it's a term that was defined um, by psychologists in the mid to late 1970s. Yeah. And so it's it's been around a while. And so there's there's been some a number of um, studies and meta-studies on this and there's a, there's a variation of data based on what they've asked and sought into, but it sort of varies between like 10 and 80%. So I won't go into that too much, but <laughs> what I think it's, what I think is conclusive out of that um, or what we could draw out of that is that it affects um, a lot of us at some point in time in our lives. So some people might just coast through without it, but a lot don't. And it's not uncommon for us at, at either different parts or a time in our life that we're going to, we can experience this. And for some people, 
it can be a, a common theme or a thread or a recurring theme in their life that stays with them, which is really, I think, where it comes from in the sense it's, it's a key part to say having this term as imposter syndrome is that it's something that is persistent over time. It's not just that I'm, you know, I've started a new job and I'm pretty nervous and, you know, what if I sort of blow it <laughs> or I'm about to, you know, I've got the grand final coming up and it's, gee, what if I, you know, blow the whole game? I think that can be a different thing that can be a facilitating anxiety it can be appropriate for the event Um, but if this persists over a long period of time it tends to be uh, deeper in nature that speaks into um you know those feelings of being fraudulent i'm going to be found out you know what this all equals sign i'm really not enough and i shouldn't even be here so is it is it fair to say that it affects everybody in life. I mean, and what I was thinking was in terms of would Christians be impacted by this, Christian men, as well as men who wouldn't identify as being Christian? Yeah, yeah. I think it can affect, I think it can be a part of a, of a human condition. Yeah. And I think there are, I, I, I should say, I don't think there's one, the, 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 the research on this is consistent in the sense that there's, usually not one thing that contributes to as, as a causation to this. And so it's not like it's it's this causes that. It can be a, a, a factor or a um, convergence of things and different uh, things that happen to us when we're younger or uh, agreements that we make with ourselves that feed into this, that can contribute to this um, rather than it being one thing. And it can be a common thing to, to any of us. Um, and I, and I think uh, one of the big things that sits underneath this, and there are, again, there are a number of key things, but one of those key things, I think, is identity. Cool. Well, let's step into that space because I was going to ask you, where does this stem from? And, and, and is it founded in our childhood? You know, is there something that we perhaps lacked in our childhood from our parents in growing this identity, this self-assuredness of who we are? Like, let, let's talk about then, I suppose, the, the underpinning things of where this may stem from. And you said identity there. So let's start with that. What do you think with regards to identity? How does that, what's the link with that and imposter syndrome? I, I, I think that it can be, as I mentioned, a number of things that can, can contribute to this. So people that you would speak to who would, would describe this or, or, or be characteristic of it, uh, or the research showing that they might feel like they were um, they grew up in families that might have placed a big emphasis on achievement, and so if if being at say if they came from a high achieving family, and there was a, a very strong expectation of well, in our family we perform at a very high level, um, and there's a an, an um, you know early recollection from a young age. I just remember we were all very competitive and had to. Um, you know, I'd be scared to, if I got a B in uh, an assignment or in my exams, I'd be scared to show it because, you know, I just should have an A. And so it can be that dynamic growing up where, and parents there might also send mixed messages. You might be alternating between being overly praised and or overly criticised, hmm. risk that future feeling of fraudulent feelings, if you like. Being compared to a high-achieving sibling. You might have a sibling who was just... They just knocked everything out of the park, so to speak. Um, and, and so siblings is a, is a really big part of this, is what was the dynamic like. And so in the counselling world or um, that stems from Bowen's theory and family systems, 
what we call family of origin. This is a really important thing for all of our lives, but into this area in particular is what's some of the backstory? Not so much, you know, let's sit on the couch and let's delve into your childhood type thing, but understanding like what were the grandparents like, what were your parents like, and what were some of the, the, the dynamics and culture and ways that things happened in your house and it could be well yeah there was you know i had a sibling who was just seemed to be great at everything and, and i kind of wasn't <laughs> and so they were praised and and i just couldn't match up um or it might have been that you received a very harsh sharp criticism on it could be on one thing and it just stayed with you and something kind of happened in that that you never quite got over and um that younger self it, it stayed with the younger self and it can turn into what we call a limiting belief of ourselves. That's interesting. You, you know, I had a I had a cousin who was brilliant. He never had to study, never had to do anything, and he was utterly brilliant. And I strived to get a D. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And he was just amazing. Anyway, yeah. But tell me, um, is it more prevalent in male or female? Is it? Do you, would you find this more in males? Or do you think it'd be across the board? Yeah, it's a good question. In the sense that I think some of the the, the research on it shows it more prevalent in females, but, but it also suggests that um, it can be, this has been around since they, they sort of turned it in the 70s, is that it can be, and, and I think this is changing and has changed a lot, it can be more prevalent in groups who might be either a minority or or it could be, say, a racial or gender or, or something where there's a stereotype or, as I mentioned, a, a situation where you've had to feel like um, I've, I'm going to have to work very hard to overcome that stereotype and therefore I'm going to have to put in extra effort. So I think at a base level, though, it's, it's, there's a commonality of it across men and women. I don't think it's particular um, by nature of what imposter syndrome is to men and women. I think it just... Um, works out in those demographics in the culture at the time, um, but it, it can be common to anybody, and and men certainly uh, can have this. Um, if if you think about our culture, for example, we live in a meritocracy, so in our society, and this is very strong and prevalent on men, is there's a, pr- a pressure placed on us, whether we verbalise it or not, to achieve and be successful. Mm-hmm. Depends what you define as success. Um, if you just mm-hmm. take what the culture's definition of success is, it's being good at this and having this and making it at that and earning this much and looking this way. Um, so there can be a lot of confusion between that. And if our self-worth becomes tied up in that, um, back to the identity piece, um, that can be a very big pressure. And therefore we feel, well, look, I'm, I'm not that or I'm, I'm going to have to try and achieve all that. I'm going to have to re- I'm going to have to really work hard, and that and that can be exhausting. And then the feelings of feeling like a fake or a phony um, start to come into play, and yeah, very exhausting, uh, and also quite associated with fear and anxiety and other that can lead on to other mental health issues. Um, but but at a this working and striving harder, covering up weaknesses or perceived weaknesses. Um, so it reduces, tends to reduce our vulnerability, which is where the opportunity for real growth is. Uh, and we have to have it together, uh, cover up these feelings of being a fraud or our perceived weaknesses and just try harder to make it happen. Hmm. Nick, how much does our personality affect 
how much we might be affected by imposter syndrome. For example, you know, if we're introverted and shy, does that mean that we might have a tendency more towards feeling like, you know, we, we're, we're an imposter, like we're a fraud, as opposed to people who perhaps might be a bit more confident and outgoing? Yeah, there, there, there certainly can be some tendencies as a result of that. For example, if we have perfectionist tendencies. Um, so if, if, if you um, struggle with perfectionism, let's call it that, hmm. then uh, it's, it's, it's shown that it's more likely that you're going to feel this hmm. in terms of the imposter syndrome through by virtue of the nature of what perfectionism is um, and you, the anxiety and guilt associated where you're not able to achieve it. And again, the ability to have to uh, try and cover up that you haven't got it all together or you actually can't pull off this perfectionism or the, the need to feel that you've got to hold it all together, which doesn't, again, invite people in. It's something you've got to construct and hold together. So definitely those with perfectionist or expert-type personalities struggle with this more. So can I ask them, because that's that's a key thing, right? I mean, perfectionism is a real thing, but w- what's driving that? Yeah, it's that there, there are different personality types that are, again, it can be, I think you go back to, is it a personality trait? Is it nature or nurture? Or is it something for some other reason that goes back, family of origin, um, growing up where I felt like I needed to have everything together and just it had to be perfect for whatever reason is. So underneath these things, there can be deeper reasons that drive it for why why we do this, which mm. can contribute to imposter syndrome. And I think the the real work, if you like, is is going back to what are some of the causative factors? What are the, how do I perceive myself? How do I see myself to be? Where do I derive my self-worth? And and what's the real value of myself? Who am I? And and is it tied up in the results that I need to get, the outcomes that I need to get, how I need to look um, externally in an outward way, um, and how how am I doing inside in my internal world? Because what's internal will drive the outward, mm. how we perceive ourselves and how we want to look yeah. outwardly to others, and how mm-hmm. we feel we should have it all together. And as I said earlier, that can be really exhausting. Mm. This takes a lot of work. Mm. The flip side of that, just to say that, Tim, is is the the other side to that is I'll I'll also withdraw. Uh. That that can be another way that it shows up is I'll either strive and go harder and have to hold it all together, or I'll actually pull back and engage in emotional cutoff and and disconnect from people. So. Uh, it, it can be that I won't engage in those deeper relationships because I don't want to be found out. Mm, yeah, makes sense. It's a great conversation. We're going to take a short break and come back and uh, explore imposter syndrome some more on the other side of the break. The good news is that there are things that we can do to highlight this and then uh, overcome this in our lives. And we're going to hear more from uh, Nick Marks, the CEO of uh, AFC, on the other side of this break. You're listening to Momentum all around Australia. In the meantime, have a look through our website, MomentumAustralia.org, and we'll be back with Nick in just a tick. Stay tuned. You're listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. Find out more at MomentumAustralia.org. Welcome back to this week's Momentum. Tim and Des with you. Our special guest is Nick Marks from AIFC. We're talking about imposter syndrome 
Um, just a quick point to some websites, aifc.com.au, if you'd like to find out a bit more about these guys. And of course, MomentumAustralia.org is our website. But look, we, we set it up in the first half of the show. What exactly is imposter syndrome? There's a lot in there. Uh, and one of the things we talked about, Nick, was this um, this kind of link to identity. Uh, another thing, though, that can affect this is our sense of calling so just explain that this thing that we might feel that we are called to or we need to do with our lives how does that affect this link with imposter syndrome thanks thanks for asking that i i think for all people talking to men calling is a really important part of this now you may not read a lot about this in the psychology literature and and if you google imposter syndrome I and we believe in AFC that this is a really important part of our life as um, men and women in Christ, as believers, talking to men specifically. Calling is, think about calling and why we crave it. Um, think of it as a, an intersection between intimacy and mission. What do I mean by that? Well, we all carry this sneaking suspicion that we're made for something. Yeah. We want God to speak mm. to us, and, and he does and to know our identity and our, our purpose. And um, and when God calls me, when God calls you, and he does, he calls each of us by name. Hmm. If I call out to one of my kids, I, they might answer, if I'm lucky. <laughs> um, I, might, I might get a reply. They might come down. What what can happen is I'll call out and then someone else will relay it and say, hey, hey, Dad wants you. And they're like, yeah, okay, I'll, you know, in a minute. Um, and so the first implication of, of calling is that the Father wants you. Because I meant to mention intimacy and mission, and, and there's an order to that. So intimacy is first. It's out of the Father's love for us, for you, for me. Uh, he wants us, and he's calling us by name. I've redeemed you. I've, I've called you by name. You are mine. Um he, he, he calls you, he calls me because he loves us and he has something that is just for you. So our mission, the, the, the purpose, the thing that we're stepping into to do, and we each have a, a shared and, and communal and specific mission to each of us, really starts at that moment that we're known and loved. Um, if you're reading the scriptures when Jesus started his mission, he was baptized in the Jordan by John the Baptist. And um, before he started his mission, he heard the words, the voice. Voice is very important. He heard the words of his father affirm who he was. You are my beloved son. So he's really saying, I think you're fantastic. I love you. And with whom I'm well pleased. And so there's calling. And then the mission truly started. And so calling is personal. And social, it's it's inward, and it has an outward expression. And hearing the father's voice is key to our calling. So I think that's really important in terms of jumping back into imposter syndrome. It's a very actually key part of um, dismantling it, and in the sense of moving through it. I think that's important because we can come back to who am I, and whose am I. And hearing the Father's voice, trusting in that, and then stepping out and into what he has for us on that bedrock foundation of, of um, knowing his love, which comes first, and then in that security and in that strength, 
we can step out into it and I don't have to then be about trying to have it all together because I know that he loves me and I'm a bit of a mess. <laughs> and from that, I can still step out into something that's unique. Even if I don't have all the answers and I, you know, I've still got lots to learn, that's all fine because I'm secure and I'm my strength comes out of that. Can I just play devil's advocate with that for a second though because the reality is that when we get called to something by God it, it it's generally something that we can't fulfill on our own it's it's way bigger than we can ever think or imagine and so there is a sense of oh my gosh <laughs> like Lord as I I mean I trust you but I need you to step in and help me with this because this is way beyond what I could ever think or imagine and so just throwing that out there, because there will be people listening, and even with Des and I, uh, uh, a sense of what momentum could be in the future is way beyond where we're at right now and way beyond where we perhaps could have even think that this may go or in our own strength can make this happen. And so we could either step out into that or we can shrink back and go, well, who am I to do this? And that, speak into that space for men listening right now who may feel like they've got a call on their life, but it's so overwhelming and it's so radically huge and bigger than they could ever think that they're like, oh, yeah, I, yeah, maybe not. I might just stay where I am because who am I to do this? That's a great sort of dissecting question, Tim. I, I, two things come to mind. The first is that we need others to step out into it. So it's not just a solo thing. So, so vertically, we're with we're with God and he's with us and we can step out from that strong place of security. Uh, going horizontally is we need others around us. Hmm. If we're flying solo, then that, that stepping out will feel very overwhelming and it will seem very big. Yeah. Um, the second thing I'd say to that is that it's it's not about um, stepping out into it and having it run and won by Christmas, so to speak. So it might be something that's been <laughs> a burden for some time. And... Um, you know, we see the nature of, I've seen scripture, the, the use of, um, it's, it's just replete with farming type um, an analogy and stories of seeds and things growing. And, and that's, they grow, that happens slowly. There's mm -hmm. no quick process to it. So we change through process over time, our formation, our, our wisdom and growth, and, um, you know, our spirituality, our life, our relationships, they, they, they grow over time. So there's that, that real farming, um, agricultural analogies. And I think this is the same with our calling is these things take time, but it is about taking that best next step. And then we yeah. step into that. And then, um, then we go, oh, that was actually okay. And then we step into the next one. And, and yeah. God really shows up. And I think to give your um, name of your podcast a plug, we start to build momentum. Hmm. When you're flat-footed, standing still, and not a lot's happening, it's, it always seems worse. And once you start doing something, you gain some confidence, you build some momentum, and then the next thing comes, and then the next thing comes. And, and hey, before you know it, you meet somebody else on the journey, and they might share your burden, they might share your heart and vision, and, and they come on board with you because you really can't do this alone. And I suspect your story with even setting up momentum has been similar to that. Mm. So as, as these things come in, you really start to go. And you don't have all the answers. You can't see around the corner, but but that's where the trust part comes in. Yeah. If I speak from my own experience, when I started with AIC nine years ago, very serious imposter syndrome. Well, I didn't sort of have the words for it then. Probably stayed with me as I, as I reflect for a couple of years on and off in the sense of, who am I to be doing this? And 
I'm not spiritually mature enough or how am I going to fill the shoes of the founder? And, you know, but sooner or later, people are going to realize I don't have the answers. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it actually plagued me for quite a while. Yeah. And um, I had to go and speak to some people about it and, and eventually, because um, I hesitated doing that because I thought if I go and talk to some people, they might, you know, think I'll get found out. Yes. Um, and then I'll, everyone will realize that, God and the founder of AOC both made a mistake with me. <laughs> and, and so um, thankfully that hasn't been the case and I'm still there and I've hopefully done some, some good things along the way. But the point was I reached out to others and um, they've shared that burden and you find out, wow, this is actually not an uncommon thing. Um, and, you know, by the way, I actually don't have all the answers and I'm not supposed to. Yeah. Mm. You then get to invite others in and that's a beautiful thing. And it, and it is about taking that first step. I'm sure there's lots of men who are listening, you know, maybe young Christians or people who haven't done, started their faith walk yet who yeah. you know, are saying, I'm scared to take the first step. So I'll just sit back and do nothing and wait for God to hit me with a mallet and then <laughs> you know, I'll know where to go. <laughs> and, and that's yeah. not the way God works. But and, and so we do have to take a, a step of faith. We do have to step out uh, in where we believe God is calling us. And, and, yeah. that, and that is so, so important. Otherwise, you stagnate. Yeah, you do. And you get, you get stuck. And then the longer that stuckness persists, the, the worse it feels. Mm, exactly. So then let's, let's speak to the, the guys listening right now. We've talked about identity. We've talked about calling. And you mentioned self-limiting beliefs, which I want to come back to because, I mean, but, but, but let's, let's start speaking to the space of guys listening go, hey, you know what? I can relate to some of this stuff. I, I definitely feel like I've got imposter syndrome at times. I mean, obviously, so the uh, awareness piece and labeling it for what it is is the first is the first part. But then, h- how do we start to become unstuck from this imposter syndrome of that holding us where we are and going, "I'm too scared to move forward" or whatever, to start working through some of those things that we can uh, at least start to overcome in certain areas of our lives? This sense of "I'm a fraud. I'm going to get found out. I'm not good enough." Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Tim. I, I, you know what? I these things aren't all bad, and and I, so I would say that this can present an opportunity because it's it's there. If if you're feeling it, you want to name it, recognize it. That's a healthy start, as you said. It, it's also going be curious with it. Going, what's that about? I I actually don't want to step into this. I'm I'm having complete feelings of being fraudulent and being found out. And going, what's what's that about? Be curious with it, and then. If you can, and I would encourage this, speak to some people about it. Now, that might be um, someone who's been down this road before who, who might be a bit older and wiser or is, who's set up this project or business or initiative or ministry or whatever it might be, been in your situation and can share some of their experiences. Um, talk to a counsellor about it. It might be that there's some things that, um, you know, were there just where you just um, what's the story you're telling yourself? You know, I'm not good enough. I'm no good at that. Yeah. Whenever I do this, this happens. There might be some things that just need to be unpacked and and set down. And we we often need um, help in doing that. We often just can't pull our bootstraps up and fix ourselves. And so it's really good to do some deeper work on this. And if if it needs to be done, to go, what is that about? I really need to get rid of this or. Um, be at peace with this for whatever reason, for whatever it is, and to be able to move forward because there isn't anybody else in the world who is just like you are. It's got 
your unique giftings and what you have to offer the world. And so um, God wants the full you to come into into to bless others and to fulfill and further the kingdom and to um, to be your full self. And that's that's a really great thing. And so I would just encourage people to have a chat with some other people. And some other things you can do that is a little bit nearer to home, if you like, are focus on some things you do well. There's going to be a bunch of things that you do really well. Um, be mindful of your self-talk is what's the story that yes. you are, what's the story that you tell yourself? What's that narrative mm-hmm. that goes round and round in your mind? Um, mm-hmm. And that's, that's an important one. And you mentioned those limiting beliefs is what we can tend to do. And I love the Dallas Willard quote on this. It's um, we need to believe our beliefs and doubt our doubts, not believe our doubts and doubt our beliefs. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> so, Just say it again. So, we need to be- believe your beliefs and doubt your doubts. Don't believe your doubts and doubt your beliefs. Um, so particularly if you're a person of faith, who does God say you are? And yeah. um, what does he say about you that's true? And if he's the one who's true and says that about you, you can, you can put a peg in the ground and, and that's, that's solid ground and mm-hmm. go forward on that. Now, is it enough to just take that scripture and run with it? Well, Maybe. I, I also think it's then good. That is true and it's good and we should hang on to that scripture and have input and help from others along the way. As we said right at the start is we, particularly us men, will tend to try and fix this stuff and go solo or solo, or we draw and go quiet about it and try and hold it all together. And so yeah. inviting other men into this in particular, I would say to the guys, because you'll probably find other guys are experiencing the same thing. And as we know, iron sharpens iron, and there's just great strength in that community, which I'm, um, I'm kicking an open door when I'm talking to you guys about the importance of community. Yeah, that's, that's very true. And, and as you know, we always talk about engagement, community, and yeah. men getting alongside other men and being open and accountable. And, and we don't talk much about accountability, but we should talk more about accountability, not in a judgmental way, but in a bondship way and a friendship way and a supporting way. Um, yeah. And that really helps us all to grow. It's great. Well, I think off the back of that, Des, as well, it's, that's encouraging to go, you know, there is accountability that's needed at times in our life that is a responsibility. But I think also when you get accountability around fulfilling your calling, stepping into your true identity and and that's when you know you can get somebody in your world and go hey i see that you're holding yourself back and i and i'm encouraging you to step forward and i think nick that's what you're talking about is having these people around us who can fully embrace the imposter syndrome and encourage us through it to go hey i see much more for you you know whether that's in your identity and or your calling and to have those people around you and so we just want as we wrap up this week's show encourage you into that space and uh, leave you with a couple of websites again. So AIFC have their own um, podcast. It's called Council Culture, councilculture.org.au. Or of course, you can check out the AIFC main website, which is simply aifc.com.au. And our special guest this week talking about imposter syndrome has been the CEO of AIFC, Nick Marks. Nick, always a lot of information from you, mate. There's uh, a lot to chew over from this week's episode, but... Um, yeah, we'll leave that with the guys and encourage you to go back and have a re-listen to this episode of Imposter Syndrome and apply some of those things and uh, see yourself shoot forward into your full identity and your full calling. Nick, 
appreciate you being a part of Momentum, mate. Thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you. It's been wonderful to uh, to be with you guys today. It's a really important topic, so it's good to be able to share on it. You've been listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. For more information or to hear this week's show again, go to MomentumAustralia.org. You can also access a whole range of resources to help you on your journey and to get in touch with the team at MomentumAustralia.org. Until next time, keep moving forward with Momentum.